I do have a message for our fathers this morning that the Lord gave me. I thank him always for the words that he gives us as a church and as a body. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38. Just going to read one verse here this morning. Isaiah 38, 19. This is Hezekiah's prayer. Hezekiah was a good king. He was one of the good kings of Judah. Revival took place during his day. And he turned to the Lord, but uh, the prophet Isaiah had told him, you're going to get sick and die. You're not going to recover. And he, he prayed to the Lord, and God answered his prayer and spared his life and added 15 years to his life. And this is part of his thanksgiving to the Lord. And he's reasoning with the Lord when he receives the news that he's going to live a lot longer. Isaiah 38, 19, the living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. And that little phrase at the end of that verse is what we're going to talk about. The father to the children shall make known the truth. We just finished a six-week, six-part study on the truth. And here we're doing a, a message to fathers on Father's Day. But it says here, as uh, Hezekiah makes this prayer, it's the living that are going to praise you, Lord, and it's the fathers who are going to make known the truth to their children. Okay? The fathers are to make known the truth to their children. And so we're living, <laughs> excuse me, we're living in an age where, in a culture where men and fathers have abandon their God-given position and authority to raise their children unto God. Now, when I, when I talk like this, I'm going to say it here, and I'll say it again in the message, that this is not a blanket, you know, condemnation. We are so blessed with the fathers we have in this church, and I commend you. But I'm saying as a society, as a whole, I believe we're living in a day and age in a culture where fathers have abandoned their God-given position or authority and I would say responsibility to raise their own children unto God. Fathers, for the most part, have abandoned their calling and their duty, just like a soldier that would be uh, given, given orders to, to fulfill whatever rank they are in the military, and they just at some point go AWOL. At some point, they go uh, off course. They, they forget it. They, they don't want to do it. They get preoccupied with something else. And I believe we're seeing that as a culture where fathers have abandoned their calling and their, and their duty to raise their own children and teach them how to live, to teach them how to live. This is not every father, okay? We have some wonderful fathers, but I believe this is what we see, and I believe we're seeing the fruit of that in our society and in our world today. Fathers that, that have abandoned their, their God-given position to, to teach their children how to grow, how to mature, and how to become young men and women of God, which God created them to be. God created your children to be in his image. He created them in his image, and he created them to know him. And the fathers have the responsibility and the duty and the God-given privilege, I would say as well, to bring them up to know the Lord, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. We have in the Bible such a wonderful example 
Now, it's the example of all examples, but of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, when He was on this earth. And I just want to read a couple of verses here. For time's sake, you don't have to turn there, but I do want to read these. John 17, 21. Jesus is praying the night before He's going to be arrested later this night and be crucified the next day. He's with His disciples in the upper room. And he's praying that they all, he's praying to his father that they all may, may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. There is such a unity between the Father and the Son and a love. John 15, Jesus says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There's no denying this relationship. It's a God-given, God-ordained relationship, even the Father and the Son. It's an eternal relationship that they have. They're both God. They're both equally God along with the Holy Spirit. But there is a relationship that they have of Father and Son. I don't understand it all perfectly. But what an example we have. I'll give one more in John 11. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank, thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know, I knew that thou hearest me always. That was when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he says, I thank you, Lord, that you hear me. I know you hear me always. There's just such a relationship between the Father and the Son. And we have that as a godly uh, example. But I believe, I'll say mothers and fathers, but this message is definitely to fathers this morning. Mothers and fathers have been, I believe, seduced in this day and age. I believe they have been educated, or should I say re-educated, into believing that it is the job of the culture and the society to raise your children. I believe that we have been seduced into believing that as a, as a nation, as a people, that it is society's job to raise your children. In other words, the schools, the schools should educate my children. Nothing wrong with good schools, okay? But the schools should educate my children. The schools should keep and protect my children. The schools should feed my children. The school counselors, here we really start to move off into something. School, school counselors should counsel my children and guide my children through life and through difficult decisions in life that they have to make. We've come to believe that that's their responsibility. That's the school's responsibility. That's the teacher's responsibility. They're trained for that. We've been taught this. We've been, as I said, I believe re-educated to believe that they are the professionals. They're trained for that. They're the experts for that job. We've been trained to believe I'm not qualified as a parent, as a father. I'm not qualified for that job. And I believe that can be an easy out sometimes as well. An easy out to step aside and just abdicate that position and give it over to the world, to give it over to the school system and so forth. When did we as a society come to believe that it was the government's responsibility to raise our children? When did we come to believe that it was the government or the state's or someone else's place to raise my children that God gave me? It's not. And I would say, what, what lie have we swallowed to believe that? But we say they're the experts. 
They're trained in that. They're the educators, right? They're not even teachers anymore. They're the educators. And they're trained counselors and social workers. They're trained for that. They know more fully what my children need. Is that true? They know more fully what my children need. They know more fully what my children are struggling with. They're educated in, in the, along these lines. They know best how to help my children. I know you don't believe that as God, godly Christian people, but I believe as a society we've come to believe that, that I, I'm not possibly equipped to handle what my children are going through. Well, God can equip us. Do we forget the Lord? Do we forget God? Do we leave him out of the equation? And I believe we have. But they're the experts, right? They're, they're trained for that. And can I tell you, fathers, that this, this world wants your children? I'll just tell you straight up, it's not a secret. It's not something you don't know. This world, fathers and mothers, but I'm speaking of fathers, this world wants your children. They say, you go on and be the old, old man that you are, but we want your children. We want your children. From the cradle to the grave, we want your children. We want to have them. And we want to fashion them. And we want to form them to be what we want them to be. This world wants your children. There's a, a God of this world. The Bible tells us of. We come to get our wisdom and understanding from the Bible, from the Word of God. And the Word of God says there's a God of this world. Not the God who sits on his throne in heaven, but the God with a little g of this world, Satan, who is called the God of this world. He wants your children. He wants your children. The world and this world system is working to have your children. And, and this world wants parents to believe a few lies in order to, to have your children. The, the world wants parents to believe, as I mentioned. Number one, they want fathers to believe you're not qualified fathers and mothers, but you're not qualified. You're not equipped. You're not prepared. You don't have the insight. You don't have the education and the training. You're not qualified to raise your own children. You need the experts. You need those that are trained in social work. You need those that are trained in, in these different fields uh, to minister, uh, to, not to minister, to teach your ch children. Uh, and they want they want you to think you're not, you're not qualified for that. And so they're the ones who, and the only ones who can teach your children how to fit in in society, to assimilate into society. And the issues, they'll say, are so complex and the culture is so complex, you couldn't possibly do it, parents. And so it's almost patronizing. patronizing. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. We want, you know, your children to grow up to be well-rounded, to fit in. They also tell us, tell parents, and I'm a parent, my, though my children are pretty much grown, they want you to believe that you parents are too busy. You've got other things. You're just too busy. Life's too busy. It's too demanding. You're too busy with other things. L basically, leave your children to us. We'll, we'll take care of them. You leave, you leave your children to us. And now, it's not because this world, certainly not the God of this world, loves your children. They want your children. They want your children. And they want to indoctrinate them. And you say, well, it's such a conspiracy theory. Well, I believe that Satan has a, a plan, okay? Satan has a plan. 
He wants, he wants to get these young people. He wants to get, and it's been going on through the ages, but he wants to bring them in, not because they love your children. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to keep them away from God. He wants to keep them away from parents. He wants to keep them away from Christian parents who are going to teach them. And he wants other influences to be more dominating in their life. Other influences to, to rise up and take that place where it should have been the father. Where it should be the father and the mother and the parents. That's what he wants. And so we see it. We see government. And I'm not criticizing all of these things. I am criticizing parents that turn over their children for the state to raise or for society to raise. Government daycare, government education, government meals, government transportation, government health care, government counseling. We say, isn't it all wonderful? And it's free. You know, it, first of all, it's not free, okay? It's not free. We're paying heavily for it, okay, Mo monetarily and otherwise. But it's not all wonderful. It's, to me, it's like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He sold what was important. He sold what, he sold what was spiritual. He sold what was eternal. He sold what was truly valuable in life, Esau did, for a bowl of soup. My birthright, what do I care about that? Take it, Jacob. I'm starving to death. Give me a bowl of that soup you're making. And the Bible criticizes him heavily for that. He said he despised his birthright. He sold it out basically for some, some temporary uh, meeting of a, of a need or a desire that he had. And obviously, I believe that we're seeing that as a country. Somehow and somewhere, we as a people that were founded as one nation under God, we have seriously lost our way as a nation, as a people, not every individual. I'm looking at people who have not lost your way. You're in the way, praise God. But as a nation and as a people, we have seriously lost our way, and we've seriously lost our way when it comes specifically to this issue of our children and raising our own children that Almighty God has given to us. You all probably know American history better than I do. But we didn't, when our nation started, there was not a public education system. Y'all know how the public education system got started? It, it got started, the motive behind it was very good. The motive behind the first public schools, the people of this country said, you know what? We came out of a dictatorship, basically, and a king and authoritative system in England. And we came here for freedoms of speech and religion and assembly and so forth and right to bear arms and self-determination as a country. And it could happen in our country, as wonderful as it is, that our children grow up and they could come back under a system like that. And so we want to have a public education to where our children are educated. Why do they want their children to be educated? They're very specific about this. First, we want them to know how to read. We want them to know how to read for themselves. And we want them to know how to read the Bible. The public school system was started so that children would learn to read the Bible for themselves. Because anybody that truly knows Christ and is walking in the fullness of the Bible and the scriptures is going to see this wicked wickedness taking place in, in the government or dictator trying to take over. And they're not going to allow themselves to be brought under that. 
that was the whole thought, to keep them free from a, a system that would rule over them rather than their own self-determination. That's why the public school system got started. We wanted to read. We wanted to be intelligent. We don't, it's foolish people that are brought under bondage, okay? Uneducated, foolish, and uneducated most in the, in the things of God, okay? We want our children to know the Lord, walk with the Lord, know the Bible, and not be brought under that type of system to keep themselves and fight to keep themselves from that. How it's changed 180 degrees in the public school system where you can't pray in school. And the coach can't pray with his ball team. I'm talking about in public schools before a ball game and, and so forth. And you can't mention, mention the Bible and scriptures and so forth in schools. You can have everything else in the world, anything you can think of. From the, the gay and lesbian agenda to the, to, you can teach them Islam, you can teach them all kinds of things, but you can't teach them the Bible in schools, how it's changed. And it's, it's our fault. It's nobody's fault but our own fault. We do have to take responsibility for that. I want you to read with me, if you have your Bibles, just, just quickly turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. When I say it's our fault, I'm saying as a society, we're given so many freedoms and rights in this country that God gave us, and we have not lived up to them at all. Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents. We'll read through verse 4, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment. That's from Exodus 20. The first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So this is from Exodus 20. I'll just read it. Honor thy father and mother. The, the Ten Commandments are given. This is the fourth one. Okay. Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. There's one thing that I see here in the Bible when it comes to parents and children and fathers and children, and it is this. The whole picture is this. In, in everything we just read and all through the Bible, you're going to see God above all, and you're going to see this family unit underneath there. You're going to see a father and a mother, and as God blesses them with children, they'll have children. But all of it is under the Lord. All of it is unto the Lord. He says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus and forget that God is above all, and that God gave me these children, and God gave me the breath and life that I have, and we forget those things, we begin just going off in a secular manner and start reasoning what we think is best, then we're fools, and we're going to slip and we're going to fall. We're going to end up where we are as a country now. Not that God can't save us and not that God can't help us. He can turn this whole country around. And he could do it this week if he wants to. Amen? But I'm telling you that according to the word of God, there's this whole picture. There's God above all. And if we don't put God above all, then nothing else is going to be right. If God is not above all, your job, your work, your finances, your home, your future, your dreams, your plans, if God is not over all of it, and it is not all brought subject unto the Lord, what will you have me to do, Lord? Then you can forget it. You might go and have some 
measure of prosperity, but I can promise you can have a lot of heartache with it and a lot of failure because it all comes into place. It all clicks. It all, it's like the train getting on the track. Whew, my, my life is where, heading to where it's supposed to go now because I put God first. That's not just a little theory or a little slogan to stick up on your refrigerator. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First, it means first. It means before all things. It means above all things. It means primarily. Seek first. It's the only thing we really do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of the other things will be added unto you. The rest of the, if, if, we, if we know that and don't do it, we're going to be like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole all of our lives. You can get, grow old and die trying to do that. Or we can live for God and for his glory. And this parenting and being a father to your children is the same thing. You have to recognize, and I have to recognize, he is over all. I have to go to his word. I have to go to him. I need to call upon the Lord. I need to live for God. I need my children primarily above all things. If they forget everything else, to, you know, how to, to teach them how to hit the baseball, to teach them how to uh, cast, catch a bass, you know. Uh, I taught them all these things, but if I did not, do not teach them the things of God, always and only, that's what's important, okay? Always and only, I mean, and the Lord will give those other things as well in life, but there's nothing more important than that. And when we forget that, then nothing works out. Nothing works out. Why am I struggling in my job? Why am I struggling in my marriage? Why am I struggling trying to make ends meet? Why am I struggling? Because we haven't put God first. doesn't mean you'll never have a trial if you do put God first, but he'll bring you right through it and strengthen you as you go through it. I'm talking about parents that have abandoned their God-given position, and I can say that even Christian, some Christian parents and fathers have done this as well. Forfeited or given over their responsibility of, of raising their children to know and serve Jesus Christ. They've turned it over. Christians, you know how the Christians, many have turned it over to someone else? The Christians have turned it over to the youth pastor. Christians have turned over, to, uh, uh, parents of teenagers and churches all across this country have turned over their spiritual well-being to the youth pastors at their church. What's the, what's the youth group got? We're going to go to this church. They've got a good youth group. But they're not going to be youth forever. They need to be planted in a good church. They need to know Jesus Christ themselves. And, and it's, I see it. I've seen it. I've been around Christian schools enough. I've been involved in Christian schools. I've been in church for so many years. Not that I'm perfect or, or, or any of us are, but I've seen where people turn over their spiritual well-being of their children, and maybe they're well-meaning in doing that, but they turn that responsibility over to the youth pastor or to the children's church coordinator or to the, uh, to the pastor of the church. I've seen people turn it over to Christian schools. I'm not against Christian schools, but every Christian school is not going to be uh, as Christian as you think it is all the time. The church is the church. The body of Christ is the body of Christ. Amen? And so I thank God for Christian schools. They're a safe place, and, and hopefully they're not going to undermine at least what you're teaching your children in the Lord. But, but we turn it over to Christian schools, and we say, well, they'll reach my children for the Lord. You know, they're, they're equipped for that. They're set up for that. And this will lift the load off of me. I'm kind of busy to that. 
to, to, too busy to study my Bible and so forth. We think, well, the Christian schools have their retreats, right? They got an eighth grade retreat, and they got a sophomore retreat, and they got a junior retreat and a senior retreat. And we turn over our children a lot of times thinking that, you know, that's taken care of. Their Christianity is taken care of. They have chapels every week, right? They have chapels every week, and they have Bible classes. And if you walk down the halls of the schools, there's posters all up and down the halls with scriptures on them. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's all over the schools. They'll get, they'll get what they need about the Bible and the Lord there. You know what the Bible says, though? And I'm not knocking Christian schools. My boys went to Christian schools, okay? But they're going to come to know Jesus from you, Daddy and Mama. That's where they're going to know the Lord from. And that's where they're supposed to know the Lord from. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, talking to parents, train up your children, a child, in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. I know I've talked about that, that scripture. They, the individual children still have to give their life to Christ. You can't make your children a Christian. You can't make your children follow Christ. But the train up there says when to train up a child in the way that he should go, it means they literally have so trained them in the things of God that it's like putting a hedge around them. It means, look up the word, it means hedged in. It's like they're hemmed in to the things of God and to the scriptures. And, and Jesus is the way, the truth. They're hemmed in to this education and real life example. And in the word of God, they're hemmed into it. And to where they really have to fight almost to get out of that. They're hemmed in and hedged in. This is the way that we go. This is the blessed man in Psalm 1, right? That walks in the ways of God. And he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So we're training our children from day one. So many people, and I've heard them say this, I think it's a mistake uh, to have this mindset of Christians saying, well, I just, you know, they're children. I just don't want to, I want them to make their own decisions. Really? With this world 24-7 luring them and attracting them and what they can look at on their phones, you want, if you tell them to take out the trash, you want them to make their own decision about that? Or are you going to expect them to take the trash out? Why you have them, I'm not talking about being merciless or something like that. I'm talking about being Christ. While you have them under your wing, teach them about God. While you have them under your wing, bring them to church with you. While you have them under your wing, kneel by your couch or your bed, open the Bible and read it with them and pray together. There'll come a time you won't be able to do that anymore as they grow. But take advantage of that time while you have, number one, father and mother, that's your responsibility. It's not the Christian schools and it's not the youth pastors. It's your responsibility to bring your children up in the ways of God. Number two, and this is an encouraging thing, praise God, almighty God who created us will equip us to do it. It's your responsibility and you say, it's too much for me. It's beyond me. Culture is complicated. Life is complicated. The things my children are facing, how will I even know what they're facing? God. God. God will show you. God will help you. God, when you speak to the Lord in prayer, is going to show you what your children are facing. He's going to show you ahead of time. He's going to help you prepare them and equip them. Will they have to choose Christ themselves for themselves at that age? Yes, they will. And every day. But let them see him in you. Amen. 
Let them see the Lord in you. Number one, that's your responsibility. Number two, the Lord will wonderfully equip us for it and sufficiently equip us for it. We heard the scripture this morning in Sunday school. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In the Sunday school lesson, Israel is going to be re rebuilding Jerusalem after 70 years of when they were away and the land lay barren. They're going to rebuild the temple. How can we do that? They're walking back to a huge city and an undertaking. He, the Lord says, I'm going to do it. It's, it's by, not by might nor by power. It's by my spirit. You just obey me and believe me. Amen. And so uh, God will equip us and God will enable us. You may feel inadequate. I almost think that's a good thing. It keeps us humble before the Lord. I've heard people like premarital counseling. I don't know if I can really be a husband. I don't know if I can do that. You can do it. Trust in God, okay? I don't know. We're about to have a baby. I don't know if I can really raise a child. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do it through the Lord. Amen. We feel an inadequate at times, and I can say this firsthand, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand. We make mistakes sometimes in raising our children. Just like we make mistakes in other areas of life as Christians, not wanting to, not desiring to necessarily, but we do. But our Savior will help us. He will forgive us. He will give us wisdom. He will give us strength. He will give us a love for our children. He will give us patience to work with our children and to love them and to take care of them and to raise children unto him. You say, what if I'm too strict? You ever thought that? What if I'm too strict? What, or maybe you say, what if I'm too lenient? And God will show you. God will show you. Stay in his word. Stay filled with the spirit. Stay in his word. Parenting will, and I would say it ought to, drive us to our knees. Parenting will, maybe above anything else in this life, drive us to our knees, and it ought to. It ought to drive us to our knees, number one, praying for our children, praying for their souls, praying that their eyes to be open, praying for them to have a heart for God and to, to walk in the things of God and praying for their walk with God. Number two, and you can put them whatever order you want, number two, praying for ourselves to be the parents that God's called us to be. And I think the number one thing of being the parent that God's called us to be is to rightly represent Jesus Christ to our children. Don't tell them all about God and you be super mean. Okay, don't tell them all about God and how we ought to love everybody and then we hate everybody. You know what I mean? And talk about people when we're not around in you know, public. If we're going to, don't be a hypocrite. We ought, we ought to rightly represent the Lord Jesus Christ to our children at home. Amen? And so I, I think sometimes, y'all, we, we just forget. Honestly, we forget that that God's with us, that he can help us. We think it's all my responsibility to, to do this for my children, that for my children. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. We need to go to God and ask him to help us. Fathers, you ought to pray. Lord, show me the heart of my children right now. Show me. I see outside and I see what they're saying to me and they're obedient and so forth. Show me what's going on in their heart. What's going on in their little lives and minds right now? What are they facing at school that I don't know about? What are they facing and so forth? And he will show you. He will. Lord, help me to encourage them. Lord, help me to, to uh, bring them up in Christ. Help, them, help me to pray with them and so forth. And help me to rightly represent Jesus to them. 
I'll just say this, and we're, we're bringing this to a close, but have, have you put your fathers, have you put your parenting on autopilot, and you're just so busy just getting through another day, another week, and making ends meet, and getting the ball practice in school and everything on time, that you, your parenting as a Christian man and a father has just sort of been uh, just on autopilot. It's just going and time's passing, and days are passing, and weeks are passing, and months are passing, and years are passing. And ball seasons are passing, one after the other, and it's going faster and faster, isn't it? It's going faster and faster. You need to pour Christ into your children. You need to have a time out. You need to have some time of praying fast in yourself, just you. Not a church-wide one. You getting at the altars and praying, God, help me. I'm not saying things are chaos. I'm not saying things are horrible in your family or with your children. But you need to take hold of this situation and take hold of God. And while you can, and as long as you can, pour Christ into them. Amen? And find out what's going on in their lives. The Lord will show you. A few thoughts here. Do we want our children to be fashioned by this world and conformed to the image of this world? Or do we want our children to be fashioned by Christ and by the Holy Spirit and conform to Him, His image? That's the only two images it's going to be. Images of Christ when we're born again and our life reflects His glory and He's working in us by His Spirit. Do we want our children to be that or just fashioned by this world? Do we want our children to be... Sometimes I wonder, as Christians even, do we want our children, are we more concerned about their success in this world or are their success in the kingdom of God and the things of God. If you'll put the Lord first, he'll make your children successful in this world, as successful as he wants them to be. It is as filled with the joy of the Lord and peace of God and a purpose to their lives. He'll make them as successful as he wants them to be. Do we forget that, that there's nothing more important then our, our children making it to heaven, knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus and entering heaven with the full reward. Do we forget that? And do we forget that that's our responsibility? Do we forget that the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever? Do we forget those things? We know it to be true. I have one more scripture I want to read if you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We've heard this passage before, but look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And just fathers, parents, just listen for a moment. Deuteronomy 6, 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. God's word is to be in our heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down. And when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hands, and they shall be as, a front, as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Last thought for this morning for the fathers. Your children need to see the love of the Lord and love for the Lord in you. It's not enough that they, 
that you teach them scriptures and bring them to church and conduct yourself in, in the parameters of Christianity. They need to see a genuine love for you, a love of you for the Lord, a love of Jesus Christ in your life, a love for Jesus, a love for these altars up here at the front. They need to see that. They need to see you crying out to God at these altars. They need to see you, Dad, more than anybody else, singing at the top of your lungs to the Lord. Not worrying if you're on key or not. Singing at the top of your lungs to Jesus. Thanksgiving to God. Praises to God. To your Savior. They need to see you lifting up your hands in adoration to the Lord. Lifting them both up. They need to see Dad doing that. To the King of Kings. They need to see you excited about going to church when the doors are open. They need to see you excited about serving God and giving to the things of God. We have such great fathers in this church. To the man, every father is so I'm very thankful for the fathers that we have here. And fathers, I'll say this in closing. I know you love your children. I know you love your children with all your heart, but your children need to see you love Jesus with all your heart. Your children need to see you loving the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. They're going to follow that. They're going to follow that. They're going to follow that love for God. You're going to make mistakes at times. Yes, we do. We ask God to forgive us. We go to our children if need be and say, forgive. Daddy didn't do this right. Forgive me. But they need to see you follow Jesus with all of your heart because you love him, because you want to. And they're going to want to. Amen. I'm closing with this scripture. Indeed, you can come. I'll just read it myself from Isaiah 54, 13. Just listen, and then we'll, we'll have our time at the altar. Isaiah 54, 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. And I, the, I'm going to read again. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. We have such a wonderful privilege. Is it a responsibility and an obligation? It is those things. But it's a wonderful privilege that every person on the planet doesn't have. God has given your children fathers to you, fathers and mothers. He created them in his own image, and he created them to know God. And he's entrusted them to your hands for a time to bring them up in the fear and knowledge and understanding of the Lord and the love of God. He didn't give that privilege to me, your children to me. He gave your children to you. And they need to see the love of God in your lives, fathers, for the Lord. Amen. I want to do something this morning as Dee's playing. I want to ask our fathers. We did this for Mother's Day. I, I believe with all my heart we're supposed to do it this morning. That everyone that's a father, a grandfather, great-grandfather, if you would come to these altars and begin to pray. And we want to pray for you and over you. But I would first like the fathers to come to these altars. And then once they're here, I would like to ask that the spouses here, if the children are of age and are in, in the sanctuary, to come 
and you get with your father and you pray over them. They have quite a task. They have quite a task. Mothers and fathers in this day have quite a job to do. And there's a lot of opposition and we need Jesus. We need prayers. And they need the understanding of their family. So would you come now, families, and come around these? If you see somebody and their family's not here, would you come around them and pray for them as well? Don't think, well, that's not my place. It is your place. If you see someone up here and they don't have someone around them praying for them, would you do that? Oh, Father, we just come before you this morning. God, we thank you for being our Heavenly Father. You're all of ours. For all of us, you're our Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love for the Son, and thank you, Son, for your love for the Father. Thank you for the example that we have in Scriptures. Thank you for the Holy Ghost to give us the same love for our children. God, I pray for these men that are bowing at these altars this morning. God, I pray that you would equip them supernaturally to raise their children, even if their children are grown, and even if their children are married or whatever the case may be, Lord, that you would equip them to show the love of God, to teach with wisdom, to give example by their own lives, God. All of us, Lord, that we would be the men of God that we're called to be, that we would be the fathers of God that we're called to be, Lord, to our own children. Forgive us, God, when we have not stepped up and taken that responsibility fully. Forgive us when we've made mistakes in our parenting and done things in our own flesh. Forgive us, God. We acknowledge that we've done that. But Lord, I pray from this day forward, you would really strengthen us more than ever before to be the godly men that you've called us to be, that our children would see Christ in us and desire Jesus. I pray for all these men here that all of their children very soon, as soon as they can understand, would be born again, truly saved. They would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God, that they would live their lives, their whole lives in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Do you just continue to pray for a few more moments?